Welcome to the Yal Mega Podcast, where we delve into the inspiring stories of entrepreneurs, motivational coaches, and business leaders. Join us as we hear about their journey to success and the challenges they face along the way. We'll uncover their secrets to perseverance and determination and gain valuable insights into what it takes to reach your goals. The journey may not be beautiful, but it is always purposeful. So sit back, relax, and be ready to be inspired by those who have dared to dream big and make it a reality. Wepa, what up, mi gente? It's your boy, Al Mega. Welcome to a brand new Al Mega podcast, a.k.a. The Amp. And today, mi gente, do we have someone that is truly multi-talented. He is a comedian. A producer, a director, an author, and just an all-around cool guy. He got a dope new project out, too, that we're going to be talking about. Let me introduce the one, the only, the legend himself, El Señor Victor Varnado. How you do? All right. What's up? How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for joining us today for the AMP, baby, and talking about your journey and all that goodness that you're putting out into the world, that entertainment, bringing joy and smiles to people's lives. So thank you, Victor. I appreciate it. Not a problem. <laughs> I, sound, <laughs> I sound great the way you describe me. <laughs> He's like, oh, my God, I'm so awesome. No, but you are, brother. You are, man. I, I look, when, you know, thank you. Big shout out to Alex over at uh, Podmatch. You know, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have the honor uh, of connecting with you. And seeing everything you've done, and, and now we're going to talk about uh, that journey of yours, which has been, you know, based on what I've read, pretty fantastic. So just a little bit about yourself, Vic. Let us know where you're from, OG. I originally hail from the South, um, although I, I was born in Gary, Indiana. I grew up a lot in Alabama and Arkansas with my mom, my brother, and my sister, and then later on I moved up to Minneapolis. Uh, for my teen years and college years, and then uh, okay. finally New York. And New York. So, what age when you finally hit New York? I was actually uh, twenty-seven. I was. I I didn't hit New York for. I mean, as far as like other artists, usually they come to New York a little bit earlier. But yeah, I came when I was twenty-seven. I I know it was like nineteen ninety-seven, August twenty-seventh. Oh wow, he I remembers know, the day. I I know <laughs> specifically the day. What about about the hour and time, because that's probably when you had the best pizza of your life. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, talk about you growing up and the way you did that led you on this path that that you're that you're on. I mean, what was your interest like when you were just a, a young lad? When I was young, I was really interested in computers, rap music, <laughs> and uh, uh just art i i like to do uh i was i was uh like to do a lot of drawings and okay. and then when i was young though it, the computers were like the first computers it was like the the apple 2e you know it was just like the old green <laughs> green letters on a green screen like those were the computers that i was using and so that was that was what i was really focused on uh for a while and then at one point, I really got into entertainment specifically, and then that kind of took over once I turned like nineteen, twenty. That was like it was all so about like being funny. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what what was it in entertainment that that got you motivated 
that you want to delve into that world? Uh, well, I think that I, <laughs> this is so, we're going to, this is so funny, but, but here we go. Uh, so I have <laughs> a lot of anxiety or, and I've had a lot of anxiety in my life. And though it seems counterintuitive, if you're being entertaining, you're like controlling the room. You know what I'm saying? And so like, yes. you're like in charge of everything. And so you, you don't have to like, cause when you're not in control, <laughs> that's when the anxiety is like, you know, takes over. And so like that, I think that it just felt comfortable, more comfortable than standing around with everyone because I would have trouble like striking up conversations with people. And then I would just be like the creepy guy in the room, not talking to anybody. <laughs> and then, but if I was That's on me. stage, if I was on stage, I wasn't the creepy guy in the corner, not talking to anybody. That logic kills me. So how, how did you even <laughs> fight through that? I mean, here you are in the room, you can't do a thing, but see, I'm completely opposite in the room. I could talk to anybody. You put me on the stage. I'm like Ralph Cramden with the homina hominas. You feel me? <laughs> yeah, but it's I I don't know. It's just uh, it's it, it that it that is part of what drives me. I don't think it is traditional, maybe, but it's what drives me. <laughs> I'm I'm digging it. So talk about you delving into these opportunities that was began coming your way, right? How did you even begin to step in? To, to, to this world, if you will, in the entertainment, once you knew that that's something you enjoyed? Well, I, the, my very, my first big break actually just came by complete accident where I love to dance and I would go out and dance uh, with my friends. And then one day I was dancing and then a guy walked up and he was like, hey, I'm casting a music video because I was a good dancer. And uh, also I was albinistic and they wanted people with pale skin in this music video to uh, play angels. And then I was like, all right. And then I talked to the guy and then I went to the music video and it was an Elton John music video. And then, yeah, so I'm in this Elton John music video called recover your soul. It's on YouTube. You can actually look it up if you want to. (laughs) And then, uh, but then the director of that music video uh, liked what I did in the music video. So when he was directing um, End of Days starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, he asked me if I wanted to audition. And then I auditioned. And then that started my career. Not like I didn't become a giant star or anything, but it does like when you when you when you make like those one or two things where you're like in something with like a major international name, it kind of legitimizes you and makes the rest of your career like a little bit easier moving forward. Insane. Now, I got to ask, did you know in advance who you were going to be doing the videos for? No. When he said you want to be in a music video, I was like. I was like, okay, because I was just brand new to New York, really. Um, Wait a minute. You just come to New York and you land in video jobs and people that live in New York all their lives get nothing? (laughs) I mean, well, think about this. Think about this. I moved to New York in 1997 and End of Days came out in 1999. So, So, and so it had to be shot, you know, in 1998. So things moved pretty fast when I first came to New York. 
insane. What luck, man, was on your side. So how did you feel when as soon as almost like you land to New York, you're getting some finding opportunity? How was that feeling like, especially in those early 90s? This is pre-internet, folks, right? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm going to be a giant star. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> and then, But then there was a problem, which is after I started, after I got cast in a few things, then I realized that I was getting mostly cast because I was an albino and I was like a different looking person. And that really started to bug me. And then so that led me to doing more things that were behind the scenes and, and going into more producing and writing to kind of like show the world and myself that I had talents other than being uh, physically different. Oh, I love it. So talk about exploring those other talents then. Uh, well, I, I mean, I do other things. I'm a New Yorker cartoonist. Um, I've written. How did you, New Yorker? Oh, wait a minute. Cause I saw you were a cartoonist, but you're talking about New Yorker. How did you land an op in the New Yorker? That's crazy. I, I started submitting to the New Yorker and I didn't stop until they said yes. <laughs> until they said, until I started, <laughs> until I started buying them. I submitted hundreds of cartoons over like a year before they started buying them. Wow. I mean, this is the old school way of doing things. So while you were mailing these cartoons weekly, what were you doing? <laughs> we need to yeah. know these steps, man. This yeah, I would wild. send cartoons in weekly. Like every week Insane. I would send in cartoons. Insane. So what was it like when they finally said yes? It was surprising uh, <laughs> when they said here. yes. It was surprising. It was, uh, for me, it was like a dream come true because as a cartoonist, that is one of the biggest things that you can do. It's one of the most prestigious things that you can be as a cartoonist, at least in my head at the time was like to be a New Yorker cartoonist. Then once you're a New Yorker cartoonist for a few years and the, and you and the other New Yorker cartoonists are, are grumbling about, you know, everything. So, <laughs> you know, you, <laughs> it's just like anything else. It loses its luster. It's luster. But yeah, I was, it's a New York thing. We complain about everything. <laughs> yeah. That's what we do. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so talk about you because I, I know that as well. You started getting into production. You started doing directing. You even got into Marvel comics. My God, I, I, I need to know what is your secret sauce. So, after you did the New Yorker thing, you know, how did you you continue to develop your career? Yes, um, I, I mean, well, I mean that being a New Yorker cartoonist was actually only happened in the last like four or five years, but I oh, mean really? so. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I think the culmination of when I was describing, like, I wasn't really happy with the way my career is going and what I was doing, that also happened when, even when I was producing. So, six years ago, I was producing on uh, on Love and Hip Hop. Uh, I was oh, producing cool. one of their uh, one of their like uh, spinoff shows for Stevie J. And uh, I, why I don't, when I was doing that, that was like the show that broke me because I was just like. I'm making good money, but I'm just like working on this show that is not, it's just not fun. Like I, I was making crap TV. And so I wasn't, I wasn't excited about it. 
So then I wanted to change how I did things. And when I decided to change how I did things, I started to just go after those things which I had dreamed about all my life. And one of them was being a New Yorker cartoonist. This guy. This guy. So let's reel it back even more then. So how did you even get into that production stage of life? Uh, Well, uh, so when I said that I started to go into the writing and producing world more when I wasn't happy with the acting roles that I was getting, I just started making stuff. I started forcing myself to just make a short film every month because I knew I'd have to get good. And every so I was, month? Yeah, so I made short films every month. Yo! And then... Whoa! And then, I mean, crazy, they, they weren't always elaborate. I mean, some of them were just pretty silly. <laughs> Listen, it's, it's time imagine. being put in. But again, you're putting in time and making your own path. So that's pretty impressive because I know I know a lot of filmmakers and for them to get one project off the floor still takes a year. I mean, you're talking about it doesn't matter how small it is. You're still doing one film a month. I mean, that, that's pretty impressive, bro. And that was just a way to train myself until I got to the point where I could do things well enough so that I could make my own productions. And I would... I would basically go to people that I knew and just basically beg them to be like, Hey, can you help me fund this? But I, (laughs) but I only did it until I, I only did it when I, when I had, uh, enough money. Um, I mean, no, when I had enough skill, I wasn't asking people for money when I didn't have the skill. I, I worked on the skill first and then the, the money came later. Um, and so that just, led me to producing some of my own stuff and then I would produce things and then I would be able to sell them and they would pretty much break even. Like I made the awkward comedy show, which is a comedy special that starred myself, Hannibal Buress, um, Eric Andre and Marina Franklin and Baron Vaughn. And yo, I did yeah. even meet these cats, yo, because I know that you helped in the development of the careers of at least two of those people you mentioned. It's like, how did you even connect with it? Were they homies or did you just met? Yeah, yeah, they're all just, we're just friends. We just, we're just all, we were just all like black nerdy comedians who kind of hung <laughs> out together. Um, and so, yeah, they were just You're the friends. original blurs. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and then we were just like, we were just friends. And then at one point I wanted to make a special and I just made a special with my friends. And so, I called it the awkward comedy show because I came up with the category for us. And then that became what the special was. And that sold to comedy central. Yes, we know. (laughs) Whoa. Crazy, man. Yeah. And so, and I didn't make, you know, a bunch of money on that, but it broke even, which is great because, you know, that was one of the first productions that I did. And to even have your first production at least just break even is is not bad. <laughs> Listen, yo, so long as you ain't putting more than, than, than two fingers into your pocket, I mean, that's fantastic. So kudos on you, bro. So, you know, what other journeys did you start? Once you did that and you saw that you, you had something special, how did that inspire you further? Well, then the next thing that I did was... I, uh, the next thing that I did was I, uh, just kind of kept going. So I kept making pitches and ideas for TV shows and trying to pitch them to people. And then the next thing that I made that actually got funded 
was a series called Realm of LARP. Do you know what LARPing is? Yes, yes. Yeah. Live action role played. So I did a series <laughs> where I followed people around when they were doing live action role playing. And then when they cast spells, I would like add in visual effects. And so I just made it like it was Lord of the Rings, but it was people just LARPing. And so it was a documentary series <laughs> that kind of looked like a TV show. And so that was, and that was one of the big, and that was a thing that got licensed by Legendary Pictures. And so oh, that snap. also became a thing. And then th- when someone saw that, that's when I started getting offers to work on other people's TV shows. Because really? like, I, yeah, because okay. that was such a, like a hit for what it was. Um, then they just got me other work. And then from there, I just kept so, working and working and working. I got to ask, are, are you a LARPer in real life, sir? Um, I would say, I mean, I love LARPing, but I wasn't, I wouldn't say I, I'm a, cause the people, here's the thing. I've, I've LARPed and I, and I would LARP again, but I, w- I won't call myself a LARPer because I know people who are real LARPers. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just They're saying, be, how yeah. dare you and, and blast us on this chat right <laughs> exactly. now. So let's not blast Vic. <laughs> he he just, did his thing and he helped the community. <laughs> it's just like a lot of people can put on tap shoes, but not everybody's a tap dancer. <laughs> Yeah, I, I hear you, brother. I got some moves too, but yeah, I ain't putting on no tap. That's for sure. That's awesome, brother. So talk to me about, because you also see that you've been a writer. You know, I'm obviously a comic book fan, but you've done stuff for Marvel. Like, yo, what, what, what are we talking about here, homie? Yeah, I was really excited about that. I'm a big comic book fan too. Um, and so I had some interaction with some people who edited at Marvel and one at one point they were looking for comedians to who are comic book fans to write funny comics based on the Marvel crossover crossover event that year. And then, so I, I had a crossover event joke that I wanted to write for so long, just like a jokey Marvel thing. (laughs) And I pitched it to them and they liked it. And then it became the lead story in that uh, anthology book which was called Shame Itself. Woo! Man, I'll let you feel. I mean, landing with that, with Marvel, son. I mean, who doesn't start with Marvel or, or DC at some point? I started with Marvel, and I started with The Saga of Chris Star number two. That's my first book that I have on the wall, as beat up as it is. Uh-huh. I, th- I think uh, I was, I mean, I was really happy. I, I've, I've loved Marvel all my life, and I would read, like, really obscure comics, like, um, have you ever heard of this comic called Alien Legion? Oh my God, yes! The, the 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 cover art on those books used to fucking fascinate me, Victor. Fascinate me. And again, seeing that the, the name and all, you're like, yo, what is this? As a kid, I used to always kind of. I'm an indie guy. As much as I love Marvel yeah. and DC, you know, that's where we got. I'm an indie guy, hands down. And I know Marvel yeah. was through uh, the the Alien Legion was through the Epic line, right? Was it uh, I don't know. And that was it was in the Marvel, but it was definitely the the artwork on those covers, Alien Legion. Always, I have the whole run on digital format because it I, reminded I me loved it that much. It reminded me of a Frank Frazetta style, but a Frank Frazetta style, but uh, but it was uh, space instead the the art yeah. on the covers uh yeah anyway wonderful. that that was a great that was a great book that was one of my favorites actually it was like uh i got i got really hooked on that 
there's like certain books every once in a while I just get really hooked on them and then I just get almost every issue that I can possibly get. Um, one that I one that I did recently was um, Invincible before, like years before it became a TV show. I had every I had every issue <laughs> of Invincible because I just loved that comic because it was just so crazy. Uh, you said and had. I love a good superhero. Well, I, I still have them. You sold them. Oh, okay, I'm about no, to no, say no, yeah, because you know how much you you know how much those early issues are going for, Victor. <laughs> Insane <laughs> amount of dollars. So you picked it up at the right time. Me, I had a choice. I remember when that came out, but Walking Dead was also next to it. And because oh, I'm wait, a horror and zombie issues? fan, I went Walking Dead. Oh yeah, I have. Listen, the physical issues of Invincible was around the same era as The Walking Dead, but I ignored Invincible and picked up Walking Dead, and which I regret. Um, I may have some. That's funny. I may have like some very early. I may even have Invincible number one. Because oh I mean, gosh, I bought, bro. I bought, because I bought some of them physically and some of them digitally, and so like, but the okay. but I started out physically. Yes. I'm a, oh yeah, I need my books. I need to smell the ink. I'm one of those. You know what I mean? That 60s ink will get you high as a mother. So I'm just saying. <laughs> so I also know that you have another new project out. That, that you, it, It's a new book, and it has to do with um, racism. And it's a coloring book? <laughs> it, is, it is an activity is, book. <laughs> an activity book. Yeah, so talk to me. What are we talking about here? I mean, when I saw that little clip and I said activity, you know, I'm like, oh, okay. So talk to me. What is this book? What inspired it? And where can I buy it? Like right now, my wallet is out of my uh, pocket right now, ready for you. So let's go. Um, if you want to buy it, you can just go straight to Amazon. It's on Amazon and you can buy it and it'll be in your pocket in two days. Uh, and it's called the Anti-Racism Activity Book. And if you want to just go to the the book website, it's antiracism.online. Anyway, so uh, the the way what it so it is a highlight highlights magazine. If you ever had that when you were a kid, it's like a highlights magazine style activity book, but it's all a satire about racism, especially in the United States, because uh, I think racism is dumb. Anyway, I don't know if anybody uh, you, else you, is with you, me on that. Uh, are you talking to you know what i mean believe you me, growing up in new york i dealt with that and i was a victim of profiling throughout my teen years up until i was the age of 40 when i and left new york and that profiling was not you know around in other places and and so basically uh when in 2020 when during the death of george floyd uh, the murder of george floyd actually uh, I wrote, I made a cartoon for the New Yorker um, and I made a cartoon for the New Yorker responding to it. And then that became one of the most shared cartoons uh, in, oh, 2020, 2020, yeah, in 2020, it became one of the most shared uh, New Yorker cartoons. And then, wow. and then uh I kept making cartoons about what was going on and uh, that just made my uh, Instagram like a little more popular. And eventually that became the uh, inspiration for doing this as a book. So it's a book that's just continuing the conversation that I started. And the cover of the book is actually a redrawing of the cartoon from the New Yorker that originally was uh uh oh. i guess viral yeah it was it was shared by like viola davis and quest love 
like a lot of people oh, shared it. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course. I mean, you, you're offering valuable information. May I ask, have you ever been in those situations as a young man where, you know, you were unfortunately maybe dealing with such, oh, absolutely. such things? I mean, I, it's, I've seen a lot of stuff. I mean, as, as a black person with albinism, I've been around white people when they did not know someone black was around. And I've heard some crazy mm. stuff. I've actually been around black people who didn't know I was black. <laughs> and so like, I've just, oh. you know, I've been in a lot of just situations and seen a lot of stuff. Overall, I just would say that racism as a, is just stupid. <laughs> well, so, again, it's a man-made thing, to... right? You know, it is, yeah. these are just words that, that, that people have made up to, to divide us. Unfortunately, we're all really part of one race as a whole. And that's the yeah, human I'm... race. Because you all trying... cut us, we, you know, we bleed red. <laughs> you know I mean? I'm just trying to spread the word that racism is dumb. It is dumb. It, it's dumb. It's yeah. stupid. Again, coming from New York, you know, I mean, and you live there, you know that. That is an ultimate melting pot of cultures and diversity, all mixed into one stew. And at the end of the day, at least the way I grew up, I, don't, I never saw the color or the race. We were just homies hanging together trying to survive on the hood. Because what we cared mm-hmm. about was, you know, your hood better not be messing with my hood. <laughs> we were hood races, not 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 a, you know, you know, neighborhood races, not 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 a, if you will, like Morgan versus uh, Kingsman. We didn't like those guys, <laughs> gotcha. no matter who they were. You know, that's the way we grew up. You know, so we bonded together regardless of class and color and uh, against all the neighborhoods, just like good old days in back in New York. And now. <laughs> We laugh about those days where, like, wow, we were fighting over stupid neighborhoods we don't even own. <laughs> exactly. Love it. So, bro, I mean, how do you feel living this life that you've had, this journey? I mean, you know, being this small town kid from, from down south, you hit up north, and now you're, like, all over the place. You, 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 you've touched so many amazing things in the world of entertainment. How do you feel as a person? to be involved in so much that actually people have had the honor of viewing it and, and laughing at it and you know you give them a, a, a peace of mind moment if you will I guess I I would say in the past I was more wound up in how many people knew me or saw me or whatever but lately what I'm more happy about is I'm just really happy that I get to do things that I really like for my living like that makes me very happy yeah. And so I'm trying to do as much as I can uh, to expand that and to kind of like make the money that I need to do to protect my family. And uh, that's what I'm most concerned about. I just want to be happy with my family and just have a good time. I hear you. Isn't that the, the goal for all of us? So can you share with us some of those secrets on how we can also go on that journey you know, to that road that you're on where we could just love what we do? How can somebody get out of the, you know, the doldrums of their day jobs and and follow their passion, in your opinion? I, I mean, I think that it's hard and it's not, it's not hard because it is um, difficult, but it's hard because everybody has like, anxiety and an ego and the anxiety means it's hard to strike out on your own it's hard to be like i'm going to take a chance and do this because what if it falls apart what if what if and and 
but and, and those and those what ifs are real what ifs um but then uh and i and i get it cuz but it's also possible that um it's also possible to like make money in ways that people you know have too much ego to do for instance like you can make mm-hmm. uh you can make $200,000 a year washing cars 3 days a week but a lot of people just won't do that you know and so and so the combination of both whereas like if you're saying to yourself I want to do things on my own really then you should make $200,000 a year for a year or two and save up the money so that you can go try things on your own and be comfortable or you should go and not be comfortable and try to do things on your own and and those two things always exist you could you could if you wanted to you could wash cars for 2 years and probably sit and then also while you're washing cars for 2 years only 3 days a week you could be studying the rest of the time to know how to invest your money at the end of those two years so you could be set up for the rest of your life and then you could do whatever you want. So if you if you could from now to two years from now do whatever you want for the rest of your life if all you had to do was learn and wash cars and you knew that would work for sure, then uh, that's the thing. It, it it's It's there, it's possible, but it's our anxiety and our ego which stops us and when i got to the point where i was just like i'm just going to do whatever i need to do to like make this and i have been uncomfortable i chose the route of i want to do what i want to do and i'll be uncomfortable i've been uncomfortable i've been broke (laughs) i've been you know i i I did i did that route but i I chose one of them that's all you made a choice and look at it but it's a good choice even though you go through your struggles you know you're still in this whole world of opportunity so it's fantastic i think road to pave i mean i do i have a day job and i do this on the side and i keep building now you give me a rag and a bucket i'll go wash cars too let's get it done baby <laughs> you're a hustler right here. Get uh, racks. Heck yeah let's make it happen baby that's what i dig so now i also know you have a podcast right and you have a partner in this rachel um, talk about this podcast and how, you know, what is it about and how often does it drop? So that way my viewers could go ahead and subscribe like ASAP. Um, Wiki Listen is a podcast that drops every day. And uh, it's a podcast where it's like a lot of fun facts. Basically, Rachel and I read Wikipedia pages and we tell you what we think about them. Um, <laughs> it's a good time. Some of the pages are like, you know, creepy. Uh, there's one called Terrere about this French French soldier who had an eating disorder, like he was always hungry and he may have eaten a child. Um, what? Yeah. Then, <laughs> there's one. Page, I hope it was cooked. <laughs> one page we read called Ferret Legging, which is a sport that they play in Australia where they try to stick ferrets in their pants, and whoever can hold the ferret in their pants the longest wins. <laughs> Are you I mean, serious? Yeah, it's like the air, there's nah, so many yeah. crazy the, Wikipedia are, pages. Are the ferrets hungry? Because I'd be very concerned. <laughs> yes, yes, they are. Part oh, of the rules no, no. is the ferrets must have sharp claws and teeth. Oh my gosh! Heck no, man. My family jewels still still work at my age, so no, <laughs> no, no ferrets in my pants. Victor, may I ask you? Would you put a ferret in your pants? Uh, no. 
<laughs> just gotta ask, you know what I mean? <laughs> Since it came up. <laughs> I am digging it. So this drops daily. When did you come up with this podcast and why Wiki? Well, I um one of the things that I did before I started doing a podcast was I researched what performs well as a podcast. And then one thing that people like is funny and they like information, uh, especially uh, detailed information. But shows like that usually take a long time to research unless you're reading from a Wikipedia page where the research is already done for you. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So you, you took the shortcut, brought the funny, and boom, <laughs> there we go. And talk about Rachel, since you know she's not here. But who, who's your teammate? How did you hook up with, with your teammate for this show? Rachel and I have been friends for a while, and she also worked as a producer for my company, uh, and continues to work as a producer for my company. And she uh, is the she's my friend too. And so she we started the podcast together, and uh, just had a good time uh, being stupid on the air it's just it's it, it really is I've, I've created a business around hanging out with my friends so <laughs> oh, yeah, but everybody <laughs> would love to do that let me tell you so that's awesome and kudos on you Vic I mean look at you you, you do director author writer I mean Marvel TV everything podcasting my gosh bro how do you find time in the day to be involved in so much things what is your secret to time management if you will. I have a list and anything that goes on the list gets done. <laughs> and so either it's done by me or it's delegated to somebody else. And so I just have this list that's easy to put things on. So like it, my phone is always within reach. There's a little button on my phone that adds stuff to that list. And that also shows up on my computer. And then okay. that means I don't have to keep remembering things. Uh, which is, I think, one of the things that makes people procrastinate is because they think of, there's so many things to do that they kind of get stuck not doing anything because they don't know what they should do first. And for me, I look at this list and the things that seem more important, I move down closer to the bottom and I do one thing at a time. And that's how I get things done. Brother, you're speaking to, to, to a master here because I'm old school. I got no pads everywhere. Write down and put a circle next to it. That circle <laughs> means that if there's no check on that circle, it ain't done yet. Once I see that check, and I check mark things off. People think I'm nuts that I do that, but but it makes me efficient. You yeah, know, it's, I have to it's see really helpful. You, I have to see it in my face. I have to see it in my face. Love it, love it. So what what else can we be expecting from you in the future, Vic? Because it, it seems like you, you you keep popping up and, and doing things. So what's next in the in in the Varnado verse? Well, um, I do have an app that just launched. Uh, wow. So, awesome yeah. App. So I made I made an app. Actually, you'll probably like this because um, it was originally made for one of my other podcasts. It's an app that can take a transcript of audio and then turn it into an ebook in one click. So what? Yeah. So <gasps> basically, Ooh. you can you can. Uh, you can just take a transcript of you talking about whatever subject and then you could turn it into an ebook that covers that subject, but it, it takes notes and arranges the material uh, correctly. So that you don't have to do the first draft yourself and then it does the first draft and you could take it from there. Um, 
Yeah. And so it's called uh, The Magic Book of Fire. M-A-G-I-C-B-O-O-K-I-F-I-E-R. And if you go there, you can actually try it for free. And so magicbookafire.ai. B-O-O-K. Uh, oh, I love I, it. F, AI. I, you you got AI. me. You said AI. So how do you feel about AI nowadays? I mean, you made an app out of it, but how do you feel as an individual about AI and, and then as a business person? I think that it's a good thing. I think everybody should be using AI. I, the reason is because if you just imagine that the smartest person in the world is willing to give you 100% of their attention uh, and yeah, they're willing to give you 100% of their attention and uh, they'll help you with anything you ask them to. <laughs> that That's basically what AI is like. And so that sounds good. <laughs> uh, so you and me both picked the brain of the genius. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. And, and sure, the person is not a person. It's a robot, but but still they have good ideas. Oh, you, you, you're not lying. Uh, I'm a big fan of playing around with the chat GPT, copy AI, cool bot, all these cool things, Dolly, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I'm digging it. I love this whole AI world. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of cool things. And I'm not one of those technophobes that are, you know, oh, it's the end of the world. No, it's not. Chill. You got It's a tool like any other and just learn how to use it to your advantage. I mean, it's not really that difficult, folks, so. That's why I, I get upset when I hear people, oh, this is the end of this, or the end of that. No, it's not. No, it's not. There's always people <laughs> There's always people doing that, though. Like, no matter – at any time when something changes or something is really innovative, the, there's always been people who have been like, no, I don't want to do – like, there were people who were like, put the toilet in the house? Absolutely not. You know, there's people. Yeah, you like, know, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're not lying, man. I, hey, listen, my, my, my family from PR, where they still had latrines, you know, toilets outside the house. Yeah, my you know, so my, my grandparents it. in Forest City, Arkansas had had an outhouse for outhouse. a while. Oh, when I was young. Yeah. Yeah, and spent la latrina. You have to go outside and then come into the house with a towel on so you can change and shit if you've got your clothes. It <laughs> <laughs> was, was not good. Then you're getting your feet dirty all over again. No. Thank God they're indoors. People just didn't know. And then with cars, right? Didn't they have people warning for cars before they had the, 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 the flag waivers? Mm-hmm. Car coming down, and they, that was actually a job. There's a car, and the car would have to drive only five miles an hour. Old school jobs, man. Things happen when there's a new technology. Right, Metallica went nuts over the MP3s, right, and Napster. And next thing you know, now MP3s are everywhere. <laughs> Thanks, Metallica. Yeah, you can't find like they're just like if something. I mean, really, if something makes things more convenient for the general public, you shouldn't fight it. Agreed, agreed. And if it helps you look a little bit smaller too, folks, I think you shouldn't be that mad because <laughs> mm. AI will make you look like a genius. Let me tell you, All right? Yeah, it does. So <laughs> I'm digging it. So, Vic, man, are you going to be doing any shows or anywhere, conventions, anywhere where we could see you live? What's popping? I am starting up. I have a show that I that I did um, last year, and I want to start it up again in New York. It's a stand up. It's a weekly stand up comedy show uh, yes. called Dynamo Kingdom. So, I want to start it up again, and so make that happen. Make it happen, please. I'm a comedy fan, and I, I, I'll rent the car to go see the show. Let's get, let's, let's make it happen, please. I, I love will. comedy. I love comedy. I've seen many of the greats back in the day in New York, so you know, I, I know you're gonna line it up with the greats too. So it will definitely be a lot of fun. 
And yeah. are you going to take the floor yourself? Oh, definitely. Hey, hey, man, that you're one comedian I have not seen live yet, so I definitely would love to see what you got going. <laughs> yeah, when I would you're not around. sit. No, no, wait, no, no, I'm going to sit in the back. You won't know when I'm around because I don't want you picking on me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm digging it. Yo, Vic, you are the man. I'm digging your energy. I'm digging everything that you're doing, bro. You know, bless you on this journey. Now, before we go today, what type of advice would you give to anyone also trying to come up in the game and, and get themselves out there like you have? Um, I, I would say listen, there's so much information out there. There's a lot of mistakes that you don't have to make if you just listen and do your research. There's a lot of people out there with a lot of great advice who've done a lot of great stuff. Sometimes you have to sift through them. True. But you, there's a lot of mistakes that you don't have to make. Gotcha. So be mindful of your research, folks. The information is out there for you to succeed. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of people will say, you know, go for your dreams. But not enough people say, hey, here's how to go for your dreams and get them, but also survive. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's what yo, I'm talking Vic, about. <laughs> preach, Vic. It's true. Hey, oh, you could do this. Sure, go get it. You could do anything. Sure, how do I do it? <laughs> yeah. No one would share that secret sauce, those ingredients. You know, strange. Very strange. But it's okay. We're all going to make it. We're all here, and we're all doing what we got to do, and I'm digging it. So, Victor, I want to say thank you again for your time. Folks, I've been showing this off. So at the bottom, it's also at the bottom of the ch of the uh, chat in the notes. You can follow Victor on social on Instagram at Roboto Supremo, <laughs> Facebook at Victor Varnado, and at Twitter at Varnado. Yeah, man. And of course, check out Vic and his homie Rachel on their podcast. You can go visit them at their website at wikilisten.com. Shows. Drop daily to put a smile on your face, and you might learn something. <laughs> I'm digging it. Vic, any last words before we go? Thank you. There we go. Follow the homie. Follow comedy. These are the type of people we need that are bringing greatness into the world, bringing fantastic entertainment, and most importantly, making you want to smile. So I really hope to see that comedy show real soon. All right? Make it happen. You know what it is, folks. Follow me at the almegapodcast.com website. You can follow, get all the links there to follow me on social. And please also follow my extended family over at comiccrusaders.com and undercovercapes.com. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening. Much love. Hasta la próxima, mi gente. Wepa! And that's a wrap for today's episode of the Al Mega Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening to the insights and stories from our guests. Remember, success is a journey, not a destination. And every step you take, no matter how small, brings you closer to your goals. Don't give up on your dreams and keep pushing forward. Until next time, thank you for tuning in and stay motivated.